What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berry, the podcasting coach here. And retirement is something for a lot of people that is really far away. Or even if you think it's approaching, it's still usually a few years out for most people. And this is a part of life that people really see as this ability to travel, as this ability to have a lot more free time, pursue more things. But it is something you have to prepare for well in advance. And that is where our guest comes in today. He helps people to create the retirement they deserve. He's a national speaker and published author who oversees more than $100 million in clients' assets and life insurance benefits. Our guest has a very simple mission, which is to reach as many pre-retirees as soon as possible to help them enjoy the best years of their life. So our guest who joins us is none other than Daniel Ronsberg. Daniel, welcome to the show. Mark, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, truly. Thank you. Daniel, it is certainly a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And when it comes to retirement, unfortunately for a lot of people, it's, okay, I retire. And there's a little bit of a disappointment. Like some people, they just don't financially prepare and they don't think about what type of life they want to lead. So I'm wondering if you're starting from scratch with retirement or maybe you've moved the ball a little bit but not that much what are some things we have to be doing now to have that better setup later sure it's a great question well here's the facts mark you know 50 percent of americans arrive to retirement with less than twenty five thousand dollars still today 92 percent of america makes less than 100 grand according to social security and the bureau of labor statistics and most Americans admit that if they're in their 30s right now, they could not handle a financial emergency of more than $1,000 in any one month. So I think, you know, there's different places you're going to be at in your life. There's different transitions and different, we're talking to a lot of different ages here. So, I mean, if it's somebody who's in their 20s or 30s, I think it really begins with good financial education. I, I, you know, I've always been a big believer that we should be teaching this in school as opposed to some of the other things that we learn in school. And uh, it really starts from home. So the, the habits that your parents form about money and what you learn from your parents growing up or what you learn from people you see or other people's parents, friends, you're going to emulate and take that on in your life. And if, if your parents have poor habits with money, it's, it, chances are, unless you get education outside of that, you also are going to internalize those and manifest those in your life. So I think it, it begins with conversation, but it really also goes from there into you really can't start preparing early enough. Um, you know, if you're planning on with people living longer, the fastest growing population on planet Earth is centurions. So if you're in your 20s right now and you're planning on retiring in your 60s, you could have 40 years of probably the most expensive cost of goods and services. That you're going to have to support yourself without working. So you really can't be preparing early enough for people who are on the precipice of retirement, who I really wrote this book for, who are my clients. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things they can do with the powers uh, of the provisions and the tax code and certain tools that are available to them to make the most of what they have and make sure that it's going to be put in a position to help protect them and secure their retirement. So we're talking to different age ranges here. And so in general, obviously the more prepared you could be, but if you're approaching retirement, if you are five or 10 years out, those are going to be those most crucial years. You don't have a lot of room to make mistakes. And if you do make too many mistakes, it could, it could be a disappointment for you, and, and that disappointment could result in possibly having to work uh, longer or take out less to live on. And so we really want to help get in front of that and make sure that people are using the proper tools 
to mitigate retirement risks like running out of money or potentially living a standard of living less than what you thought you could have. So I hope that answers your question. But And it's interesting, Daniel mentions that, you know, your 20s and your 30s, those are some prime years to set yourself up and you do need a long-term perspective. It's just unfortunate that most people in their 20s and 30s, they don't think about this stuff. They think about moving out and they think about incurring all these expenses uh, instead of setting themselves up for that financial wealth. And that's where the financial education certainly comes in. Some people have parents who are very disciplined with their money, others not so much. And for someone who maybe they're just grasping the concept of themselves actually investing for the first time, you need the education. So there's so many different assets that you could possibly invest in. But if you could sprinkle in some financial education for people who maybe aren't sure where to go with their investments, aren't sure how to build up a portfolio, like what's just some very basic financial education? We want to do basic here because anyone who really wants to expand on this, I believe you got to do research and stuff beyond the episode. But what's just a basic way to start the dialogue? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the basic formula for financial freedom or building wealth has always been, you know, try your hardest to earn as much income as you can, but equally or more importantly, learn to live in a way where you can save the majority of that income. You know, I have a podcast as well. I just interviewed a guy in his 20s and he said the secret to retiring early is, you know, we're taught try to save 10 to 15% of your income every year. He said he finds a way to save 60 or 70. And I think yeah. if you really successful, you're going to need to learn to save. And I think that, you know, what, what I love about being a younger professional in retirement is there definitely is a large gap of knowledge and it's generational and it has very much to do with the evolution of technology and social media. But I mean, you know, financial hacks have become a, a very common term amongst people in their 20s and 30s, house hacking, travel hacking, all these different ways to save money really effectively. Um, and some of the, the um, generations that are closer to retirement, they could really benefit from some of this knowledge. So I try to bring a lot of that into the conventional retirement to help my clients. For instance, you know, if clients tell me they want to retire and take a vacation to a part of the world every year, but they've never heard of travel hacking. Well, I know mm -hmm. that they're, they're spending thousands of dollars unnecessarily to take these trips when that could be a real meaningful difference on their monthly cash flow. So the basic, basic knowledge is always, you know, try to earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, and continue to pay yourself first. And then, you know, to go one step beyond that, I think one of the benefits of living in the era we're living in, you know, you can really be at home and make a meaningful additional income stream using your phone or a laptop, which yep. wasn't available to other previous generations. It always was educate for 20 years, work for 40 years, and then try to retire for 20 years. And so now we're seeing an introduction to a new wave of a, a lifestyle where you can kind of have these mini retirements as Tim Ferriss has made popular with the four hour work week. And, um, you know, you can really arbitrage your time into places where you can make more money than a traditional nine to five. And so if you have a little bit of that drive, and maybe you're in a position where you're not making as much income, so you're not saving as much. Well, you could increase your income or try to reduce expenses. But the key is to save and put that away for the future because you're going to need it. And the more time you have to save it, the better it's going to be for you. So um, I think those are the basics. So like I was saying, if you're a little closer to retirement and you're maybe in your 60s and you're five years out, 
really the conversation needs to be more at this point about removing risk rather than just trying to only build wealth. So I feel like one of the common misconceptions is that we overgeneralize financial education and we try to apply, you know, the same strategies to every single age group, regardless of what phase of life they're in. And that can be pretty dangerous. So somebody who's getting closer to retirement and just can't handle the same risks that a 20 or 30 year old could handle, they need to really be thinking more about risk mitigation at that point um, if they're not, you know, multimillionaires. So if they haven't hit millionaire status or multimillionaires um, and they have a, a sizable nest egg, but they're going to need to make it last and whether things like future higher taxes or potentially costs for extended care, they need to look at ways to mitigate that risk as opposed to just trying to build wealth because if they're not properly assessing their risk capacity, they could be setting themselves up for some really devastating losses. And that's really more what my book is centered around is helping that group of people who's very close and they need to take advantage of every tool to mitigate tax risk, care risk, um, and, and potentially risk of losing their money. So, you know, these are where, this is where my book is focused is removing risks for people who are in a different phase of their life and need to be much more careful and proceed with caution in retirement. And it's important, again, to emphasize that different phase of life, because if you are heading close to retirement, something like an AT&T stock would make more sense where it's not going to, you're not going to see super appreciation, but you do get around the six or 7% dividend. Someone like me in my twenties, I'm more able to invest in something like Roku because i uh, just able to tolerate more risk based on where I am uh, in my life right now. But everyone has their differences but one of the constant things I feel like a lot of people think about in retirement is that travel. And Daniel, you did touch on this. I feel like travel hacks is an important topic for anyone in retirement because, again, you think about all these places that you want to go to and then you either burn through your cash or you realize you can't go to all those places because you don't have enough cash. So I have heard of a travel hack, something like an Airbnb, but I'm wondering if you can share some of the travel hacks that have best worked for you or that have best worked for people you've worked with. Yeah. And before I go to travel, I just want to address something you said about purchasing individual stocks. Yeah. You know, I don't make recommendations on individual investments, but um, you know, and, and none of what I'm saying is tax or investment advice. I didn't hear a disclaimer at the beginning of your, of your uh, podcast, but I know my attorney always wants me to put that in there whenever mm, I can. Okay. But um, <laughs> You know, the, uh, you know, that's part of assessing risk capacity is really determining what's your appropriate level of risk or not. And what I think what's happening right now in our economy is a perfect example for people to learn from. Again, you know, we're always taught buy and hold. And, and that works if you can hold. But retirement yeah. is different. no longer buy and hold. It is now hold and withdrawal. And so buy and hold does not work. If we're in a down economy like we're seeing right now, it presents unprecedented risks for seniors uh, who, are, who are holding things that are risky because uh, as the markets and economy are down, they still need to withdraw that money to live on. So it's about assessing the appropriate vehicles to, to mitigate um, potential losses and handle the appropriate amount of withdrawals that they're going to need to take. And there's tools and strategies that are available um, that people can be taking advantage of to do it. Now, along that same line of travel hacking, you know, travel hacking really just in its simplest form, I think, refers to maximizing uh, airline and credit card reward points to get significantly discounted or in some cases, actually free travel. So, you know, I go back to that couple who's going to take a trip to Europe every year in retirement. You know, that trip could cost them 10 grand. 
But if they strategize and align their ordinary spending they were already going to incur anyway with a rewards program that's going to give them free bonus points to take and redeem for a round trip or airline tickets, well, you know, if they're, the, you know, if they were going to spend the money anyway, it can be great. Now, where travel hacking can burn you is you don't want to go into debt to get airline points, right? I mean, so many people that can't handle and really shouldn't be trying to manage credit anyway, it can kind of open the floodgates to taking on massive amounts of debt and become counterintuitive. The whole goal of travel hacking is to not pay for those points and not pay the credit cards for interest. But why the credit cards give them away so much is they'll trap people with those yeah. bonuses. And now they're carrying a $10,000 balance and revolving that and paying all that interest. So the goal is to try to find strategies where you can, and, it, and really it's bonuses. Oftentimes when I sit down with somebody, they're going, well, I take advantage of that. My credit card has points that I get a point every time I spend. Well, that's true, but it's going to take a lot of money spent to get yeah. some points. You got to find these cards that have $50,000, $100,000 signup bonuses and then revolve them. So for example, you know, when my wife and I, and we did a lot of traveling in 2018 because I traveled to speak a lot. And so what I would do is if I knew I was had a trip coming up, you know, we would go to Citibank. They had an American card with, you know, 35,000 signup points. I would sign up, then I'd refer my wife. So I'd get the referral points. She'd sign up, you know, boom, all of a sudden you have 90,000 travel points or something like that. Um, and that's going to go a long way for, for, you know, domestic round trip tickets. And you could do the same thing with hotels. <clears throat> so Airbnb on its own is still a pretty competitive deal. And I'm sure I haven't looked recently with everything going on, but I'm sure it's gotten more competitive, but the hotel chains have them as well. And you can really, I mean, we, we traveled to Atlanta and Boston last year for, for really pennies on the dollar. And we took our little family of three at the time. Now we're a family of four. Uh, and so um, it, it really is a cost-effective way that people need to educate themselves in if they want to still travel but not break the bank to do it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes time to build up enough uh, points where you would be able to use thousands of dollars on those points. And uh, you don't want to go into debt with this either. It's just one of those things where you're spending money anyway. Just spend it on the credit and make sure you pay it off. Like all the expenses I do, I don't do cash. I, I, don't, I don't like doing cash because there's no benefit to me to right. do it through cash. Like I don't get extra points or anything like that. And all that stuff really does add up and it can give you that free vacation every once in a while. Uh, if you just keep on doing what you'd regularly be doing, but just on the right card. So I definitely like the travel hacks that we touched upon. And again, that's just such an important topic for people who want to retire. They think about that travel. Uh, another big part is taxes when it comes to retirement. And I'm wondering what tips do you have for cutting down on how much we have to pay in taxes? Uh, anything from taking out the uh, retirement fund to just in general, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you for asking that because that's really the crux of my book. So, I mean, look, the national debt is 26 trillion and counting today. There's a great resource called usdebtclock.org. I always encourage all my clients, we spend a lot of time with that resource because it's an indicator into what the government's going to need one day to deal with that debt. And because of COVID-19 and the stimulus and things we had to do to keep our economy afloat recently, that debt was, you know, at the beginning of the year has now gone up 10%. We've added like two and a half trillion trillion to the debt in a very short amount of time. So COVID really exponentially um, 
you know, exceeded, um, I'm sorry, accelerated what my book's about, which is don't get, not getting trapped under future higher taxes and, and assessing that now. So we have the lowest tax rates we've had in 30 years. Because of the tax reform, the tax brackets that we are in are the lowest they've been in in 30 years. And so I just ask people how they feel about preparing for future higher taxes. Most people that I sit down with feel like at some point, regardless of the administration, one day we're going to need to do something about that debt. And one of those forms of revenue for the government is future higher taxes. So I, I try to help people to assess that. And if and a lot of people who have saved almost all their money in fully taxable accounts, like 401ks, IRAs, things that they're always going to pay all the tax on when they take that money out. Well, why does it make sense to keep passing that money to yourself in the future where we think taxes are going to be at higher rates? Wouldn't it make sense to intentionally pay some of that tax today to get the income tax liability off? So there's really two groups of people. There's the people who could benefit from some tax diversification where they look at potentially taking some of that money out, paying the tax in their low bracket today yep. and putting it in a Roth IRA or life insurance or some vehicle that's going to give the money back to you tax-free, depending on how you structure it. And then you look at people who are younger who are saving for retirement. Look, if your 401k gives a match, you got to get that match. That's free money, right? If your employer is going to say, hey, you put in 4%, we'll put in 4%. Always get that match because if you don't, you're going to leave it on the table. You don't always have to do it, but if you don't, you're going to be missing out on the employee benefit of that sponsored plan. But again, if you're contributing in excess to that, how much sense does it make today to get a tax break on five grand you're going to put in a 401k where that's going to grow with compound interest to be 500 grand where you're going to pass it to yourself in the future where your tax rates could be doubled? You know, does that make sense? Or would you rather just pay tax on a small amount today so that you could grow and compound that and pass it to yourself tax-free in those potentially higher rates? So there's ways to implement and reduce tax reduction strategies. And I discussed this a, a lot in the book. There's even people right now who just live on social security and they could, they could actually take money out of their fully taxable account and pay zero tax because they're in the zero bracket. But for some reason, their CPAs and their financial advisors and their insurance agents and bankers don't help them do it every year. And I, it baffles me because you're wasting an opportunity every tax year yeah. to take 10, 15, 20 grand out of these fully taxable accounts, pay nothing, get the income tax liability off of it, and then put it in something that will grow tax-free or be available to you without any future taxes. So there's a tax-free withdrawal privilege that exists for a lot of seniors who are not taking advantage of. I talk about that in the book. And then with the leverage strategies using life insurance for retirees, you could take small amounts of money out, pay the tax on maybe 1% of your, of your savings and build up these large leverage benefits through life insurance that will pay you while you're alive if you get sick and need money for care and will actually shield your assets um, and create a very, very tax advantage place through that accelerated death benefit of the policy to care for your retirement. So there's a lot of ways you can leverage in benefits regarding taxes. And a lot of people have their eye on it because of the national debt. And we haven't even seen companies going to the government for bailouts yet. I mean, wait till that starts. Mm -hmm. And if, if we start seeing some of the biggest corporations in our country needing, for, needing a bailout uh, when this forbearance program ends and they need help, I mean, you know, th that money's got to come from somewhere. So if you don't want to pay it, then it's wise to assess your future tax liability, take control of it today, assess what you're willing to pay and make the compromise because you're going to pay it one way or another. You might as well pay it when we know they're historically low, if that's the right thing to do for your tax situation. Of course, you want to consult your CPA. Hmm. 
I mean, a lot of great points Daniel makes, uh, definitely on both uh, sides of the retirement journey. Uh, but while you ca- you might get into a situation where it's just Social Security and you could take money out with zero taxes, like that's a scenario you wish could happen, but there's no guarantee. Like you have to yeah. be in that specific bracket. And then if the bracket changes, you might have to pay and rules can change. But if you're in your 20s or 30s, the income bracket you're in now probably isn't going to be the one you end up in because it's eventually where you build up your income, you get into a higher bracket level, which means higher taxes. But right now, for some people, they may be at a relatively low income level compared to where they're going to be in five to 10 years. And this is the time to pay the taxes now for a lot of people. Daniel, I know your book goes a lot more into it. We'll throw it in the show notes. No stone left unturned. We'll also throw in, are you ready to retire? Uh, That is his other book. So all that will be in the show notes. Daniel, is there any other place we could go to keep following your work and journey? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, you can connect with me at danielronberg.com. It's my first and last name, danielronberg.com. Um, and we also have a great resource for travel hacking called milesandmemories.com, uh, which is a website where it will do a complimentary analysis of your spending habits and then align one of those strategies for you automatically. So you can go in all complimentary. Um, and then we have some great um, resources and tools, um, some free online webinars and access that you can get through uh, danielromberg.com. Um, you can get a social security maximization course for free. We're putting out a retirement course. We have a tax minimization course that's all completely available for free, all on those websites. And we'd, we'd love to share those with any of the, anybody in the audience who needs uh, some more education in those spaces or wants to learn more. So, That's certainly a lot of great resources. We will have all those in the show notes. Miles and Memories, that definitely sounds like one I have to be on because I do plan on running a whole bunch of marathons in my lifetime. But Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, Mark. Pleasure to be here. Thanks again.